0: Thank you for tuning into the City Church, California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated. Anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Go to John chapter 11 and we're going to continue today on our series, the I am series. And today, the most famous I am statement in all of the gospel of John, I am, you could say it with me if you know it, I am the resurrection and the life. Let me just say this, because he is, we are. And that is an amazing concept and how does God begin to define himself he begins to say I am that I am I will be whatever you need me to be and let me just say this God's name is not just a noun it's a verb and I just want to give you a highlight where we're going today it's not just the resurrection and life of Jesus Christ if you have ever been stuck in a cul-de-sac of pain you're bewildered you're puzzled you don't know how to get out I'm telling you God is gonna get you out today Day in two ways, with a noun and a verb, you're not going to live that way any longer. This is the greatest story in all the gospels is the Lazarus story. Now, let me just say this. Of all of human history, of literature in history of literature, there is no greater book written than the Gospel of John. Now, going through high school and college, I personally love Shakespeare. I could read it, I love it, I want to quote it. My favorite book in the Bible used to be Romans. I've taught it for a long time in college. I've memorized, but I don't know. About a year ago, I started teaching and studying in our Bible college the Gospel of John. The reason you're going, what are you doing? Uh, Arm wrestling because right now, Romans and John are arm wrestling, and John is winning. There is no greater intuitive writer than John who wrote the fourth gospel. And guess what? Chapter 11 is the hinge chapter of the whole book. It is the single text of the whole book, and it tells the story of Lazarus. And today, you and I are going to experience God in a way you have never experienced God. And we will have new freedom, a new life, and we're just going to say amen already. Can you say amen? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to begin to read. If you have your Bibles, John 11, we're going to get the first four verses. And again, the purpose of the Lazarus story is to grace hopeless believers when they are facing extreme life and death situations. Did you hear me? This story is to help hopeless believers when you're facing a situation that's so overwhelming, usually life and death, that you need grace to begin to have a fresh start. Death is a diabolical intrusion of living this life without God. Did you hear that? Anytime death comes, it's a result usually of living life without God. And I just wanna ask this, is there any area of your life or my life that you're not operating at the optimum capacity of your life. Today, this is for you, and through a noun and a verb, you're going to come forth, and you're going to experience a new life. Here we go. You want to read? Let's read together. We're going to start off in verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with. Her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Draw attention that it's a certain man, he's ill, they're saying it again, he is sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold he whom you love is sick. Let's just stop. It doesn't say the one you did love in the Greek that you presently love. It's not agape uncreated love, it's that friendship love, that phileo love. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Underline that, but for the glory of God. Why? That the Son of God may be glorified through it. Let's drop down to verse 17 now. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for death. Days. Draw attention to that in your mind. Four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women uh, around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brothers. So they're in pain. They're puzzled. This hurt. They're wondering, how can this be? Let's drop to verse 23 now. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Why don't you go to verse 22? We just got to get this one. She said, before that, she said, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. Then, 22, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Her eschatology, phenomenal. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives, come on, and believes in me shall never do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God who has come into the world. Let's drop down now to verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning, he's at the tomb, he is groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Uh, It was a cave and stone laid against it. Jesus said, take Away the stone, Martha, the sister of him who had was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been in the grave. It's telling you this again for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you would you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. And he goes on, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now, when when he said these uh, things, he cried out with a I love loud. a loud voice. I love that. If you don't like loud, you're not going to like Jesus or heaven. I'm acclimating you now, okay? <laughs> I love this. Lazarus come forth and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Now let me begin to tell you this. As a pastor, one of the things when you become a pastor, which I didn't realize because I initially studied business, that when you work at a church you are involving yourself in the lives of people. And one thing that happens as a pastor, when someone gets sick, and I want you to begin to draw your attention to this point in this story, John begins his gospel with bold claims of Jesus Christ. Chapter one, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God, and the word became a human being. In the Greek, that word, word is logos. And we think it means word, but it actually means logic. In the beginning was logic. The logic was with God. The logic became God. Logic became a human being. And you must know this from John 1, 19 all the way to the end of chapter 11. This is a book of signs. The first half of this gospel is showing you seven signs of Jesus Christ. The first in chapter 2 is where he turned water into wine. And it was really miraculous molecular power was happening now get this the last sign really besides his own resurrection is in chapter 11 and then God begins to shift in John 12 to John 21 becomes the book of glory I have a sense today That some of us, our narrative has been trying to be written by our past, or maybe ourselves, or someone else. And I'm just telling you right now, if it makes no sense to you, and there's no logic, while you are still stuck, yet believe in Jesus Christ, I am telling you now, God has the ability to rewrite your story only with a noun and a verb, and that is it. And so it becomes a book of glory. And when God comes in and he begins to change us and touch us and heal us, we begin to experience his glory. Now, re- let me tell you what we have done as Christian leaders. And I have done this. I have used this phrase that Jesus used. It says a certain man, Lazarus, was sick. He lived in Bethany. Now get this. His sister sent word. The one you love is sick. It's the second time. And Jesus says this isn't unto death. This illness, get this, isn't unto death, but for the glory of God. As a pastor, when people call, and this happens often, they'll say, hey, can one of the pastors come and pray for us. And they say, Pastor Jude, they'll text Becky using, can you please come? My husband, my child, I am sick. Can you come and pray for us? And now let me tell you what I've done. A lot of times when we preach on he is the resurrection and life, and I really want you to get this, he didn't just say I'm the life. I'm the life. He didn't just say I'm the resurrection. I'm the resurrection. He said I am the resurrection and the life. And you must know something. Those two women, Martha and Mary, they had an unbelievable understanding of faith the end times the last day and he said do you believe your brother will be raised again she said yes lord i believe get this on the last day he will be raised how many times we will do that i have used this scripture to tell oh no no the sickness isn't unto death but there are times i have to tell you it was unto death They weren't healed, and it began to hurt people. And you have to begin to get this phrase at both the women. Now, Martha is a multitasker. Anyone out there is a multitasker? Okay, you may have trouble feeling Jesus. No, I'm joking, you know, know, all two of you. You know, and so Martha, the multitasker, Mary, the feeler, who is eclectic, they both said the same thing. They said, Lord, get this, if you had been here, it would have worked out different. And I'm just wondering in my own life and in your life, have you ever had that phrase come through your mind? Lord, if you'd have been here, it would have been a different story. Lord, if you would have come a little bit sooner. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, God's never late, but he's always on time? People who say that, are they from the south? (laughs) God's never late. Well, Wait a minute, he was late that day? Because they said, Lord, why didn't you get here two years? In fact, on purpose, he delayed it. And so what is God trying to show us? Now, let's just get here. You have to know this. In Jerusalem at the time in Israel, there are two Bethanies. One Bethany is far away from Jerusalem, and that's where Jesus is very popular. They liked his miracles. They liked his teachings. They loved who he claimed to be. But the other Bethany, the one near Jerusalem, they were antagonistic against Jesus. It would be like, for example, if Easter Sunday in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, people are celebrating Jesus. I mean, if you go to a restaurant in Georgia, women have hats the size of the Space Needle in Seattle. (laughs) And it's a very open, friendly place to Christ. This would be, think of another place where people just aren't that hip about Jesus and it's that Bethany. And why? It's because who he claimed to be. In chapter 5, he said, I'm greater than Moses. In chapter 8, he said actually, Abraham, he rejoiced to see my day, but before Abraham was, I is. They got really mad. Then they were perturbed, saying, um, we're going to persecute you and execute you. He just said he's going to destroy the temple In that Bethany, there wasn't going to be any of that Jesus talk and they would have been opposed to that Jesus. But Lazarus had died. Remember he said, hey, we're gonna Going to go wake him up. And they say, actually, he's not sleeping, he's dead. And they said, Well, if you're gonna rape, let's go. And he stayed two more days. Now, I want to begin to tell you what is Jesus doing in this story. Now, the ancient Greeks follow me, and this will help you because it helped me. In Greek, in Greece at the time, in this culture, Socrates, Aristotle had this belief that there were gods. But God or gods, they had four qualities. Number one, that the gods or God, and we believe in one God, that he is invisible, and our God is invisible. They, they nailed it. Number two, that he was incomprehensible, which means we really can't figure God out. That's why I don't like using a lot of trite sayings when people are going through a hard time, like, well, God's not late. He'll be on time. I mean, because it falsely comforts people, and Jesus wasn't into that. So another thing that the Greeks said, not only invisible, not only incomprehensible, Get this. If you were a God and you got that job description in that title, we get the English word apathy or apathetic, meaning God or the gods. You're going to be like Mr. Spock. okay? you're a Trekkie. I have no feeling. And they thought that if you truly were a God, you were apathetic. You had no feeling. Now, watch me. Watch me in a moment. We're going back to that tomb. And what was Jesus doing I have a fear and a concern today in the world that we live in and find ourselves in with a global pandemic, with a war on the European uh, continent, inflation, so many things that are going on. We're losing our ability to feel. And I will not reduce my faith, my life, my Christianity to trite statements because there is a God who moves deeply for us. And I know this, that God is a God of time. And if you don't think God isn't aware of the time cycle on earth, then why do they have four days, four days? You must know this. The reason why I think we should refrain from saying God's never late, but always on time. Because first of all, God created time. And you, again, there's just one God. There's not 20 gods, a million gods. There's one God. In the one God, there is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, there's one time. There's not three times. There's one time. And it's the past, the present, and the future. And can I say right now, when God created us, he never planned for us to die. And I hear people today going, death is such a natural process. No, it's not. It's painful and it's puzzling. And sometimes it comes in many forms. Maybe it's physical death. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe someone now has a mental health issue and their life is being robbed. And I remember the first time as a human being, as a person, my life was pretty cush and protected until 16, my dad would pass away unexpectedly and I remember standing at his grave site in the pain that I felt and I want you to know <clears throat> Jesus is not coming to that grave just to say that he is going to be raised because he says I am the resurrection and the life, and that word resurrection means that Lazarus physical body is going to be raised but he's not just dealing with Lazarus he's dealing with all death of all time and all people and you know what God is saying when you have been bullied by life and hell itself is rolled up its sleeve and say come on and you get pushed around in your own cul-de-sac, maybe it's something that happened to you when you were young, but you're still in that cul-de-sac. You believe in God, but you feel like there's no way out. Can I tell you now, God is standing at that tomb, and he's saying two words, a noun and a verb, come forth. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say Lazarus? Come forth. Come forth now i want to deal with the four day thing now in the bible three days is always resurrection remember jacob laban sheep goats put a three days journey what about jonah fish three days three nights that represents resurrection not the fourth day jewish people believe then that if the spirit of a human being if they passed away that the spirit would hover over that body for three days But after the third day, it became hopeless. That meant you're really surely, certainly forever dead. It is hopeless. So Jesus says, where is he? And he goes and he stands at the tomb. Now get this, four days. Now, when I come home from working at the health club, now I love the old King James with this. She says, Lord, he stinketh. I love that. Modern says, there's now a stench. You know, if I come home and I stinketh, I say, Becky, can you kisseth me? And she say, no, you stinketh, you know. And so he's at the tomb two days. Now, I want you to get this. Only two times in all of scripture do they roll the stone away. Only two times. One, at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and this one. By the way, Jesus really didn't need to include the Lazarus story. Because a week and a half from that point, he was going to be raised from the dead himself. And you see, Jesus is showing two types of resurrection. One, when he says the resurrection, it's the physical body. It's a situation in your life that has hindered you, broke you, puzzled you, fractured you, and you're still just walking around in the same cul-de-sac, never able to go on with your life. Jesus stands right now, and he calls you by name. He says, Mary, Keith... Crystal, Adam, he calls us by name. Why? Because his sheep know his voice. And all he needs to do to spin the entire universe is a noun and a verb. Can I tell you, when God says to the ocean... This far, no further, the ocean obeys. When God says to the mountain, stand this tall, the mountain stands this tall and obeys. When God says to a fish, swim this way, that fish is going to swim this way. Let me tell you right now, God has the ability to rule this universe through a noun and a verb. He could change your life, heal your life, restore your life right now. (laughs) By simply... Calling your name and bringing action to who you are and your life. Everyone say resurrection. Say life. But when he said life, remember he said, whoever believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. Because that word life is Zoe life, God life, uncreated life. Now, everyone say four. Now, this one I really love. It says he groaned within himself. He groaned. Now, a lot of times people... They think again that God doesn't care, he doesn't feel. Jesus is the most feeling being I've ever met. Now I want you to follow me on this, follow me. You're gonna love this. The first time I groaned, when I saw someone deceased was my dad. I can't explain the pain that we felt. I remember someone came and they kind of says, well, you know, God's gonna bring glory out of this. I want to slap him, say, yeah, let me have bring glory out of that one on your face, no. I don't see how much glory you're going to experience. Now, watch this. Or they'd say, um, I know how this feels. It's like, no, you don't. Your dad's still living. How would you know how this feels? Now, watch this. Watch this. The second time as a pastor, I use those words. This isn't unto death, but it's to the glory of God. I want to begin to take you on a quick journey, not even for 60 seconds. I can't forget Gail Sorrell. A single woman in her 30s, successful, beautiful, believed in Jesus, and she would get sick, and the Lord loves her and loved her, and she would die of cancer. And then how about David Stark or Liberta Matheson, my own pastor, Pastor Wendell. And we would believe and we'd use those very words. This is not unto death but for the glory of God. And surely it is right to use those words in such a situation. But wait a minute. Lazarus had already died. What was Jesus saying? Was God wanting us just to use this almost like a band-aid on someone who had something horrific happen to them? And it wasn't reversed. Do you have of anything in your life, it wasn't reversible. God comes, I don't know about you, I love reversals. I love comebacks. This is one of the greatest comeback stories in all the Bible. It's not in Matthew, it's not in Luke, it's not in Mark, it is in John, and it's not competing with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it's showing you another dimension of what happens because Jesus was raised on the third day that when you are hopeless, and and there's no cure for you, then guess what? God is standing at your tomb and saying, whatever your name, whoever your name is, come forth. And you must need to know, you need to know this. Ephesians 2 said, I was dead. In my trespasses and sin. I don't know about you, but dead people don't react. Dead people can't believe. Dead people can't move. I was dead. Have you ever had something die on the inside of you? Jesus, he does not care about the four days. He is saying, I'm going to call you by name. And I'm going to begin to heal you and give you a fresh start in this life. Can you say amen? I want to read this other, and this is Isaiah forty-three, one. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Everyone, say four days. Now, watch this. Not only four, but grown. The I would say, as a pastor, the greatest. No, no. I want to say it this way: the most challenging funeral. I ever had to officiate. And I'm thinking of two for sure. It was an 18-year-old girl. She was perfect. Have you ever seen a girl who looks just like her mom? And they even talk alike, dress alike, act alike. And it's kind of scary. And you tell the mom, my goodness, your daughter looks like you. And the woman will do this, my mini-me, you know. And it's like, yeah. The daughter would get tragically taken from the earth in an automobile accident. I will never forget the sound of that woman's cry. Hear me, never think that God is sterile or unfeeling. The Greeks had it right. He's invisible. He's incomprehensible, apathetic, anything but that wherever you hurt he hurts wherever you have pain he has pain wherever you are confused he he's with you and when it says that he groaned the Greek word for this it's odd why would John use that Greek word it's not like a like when you someone takes your parking spot uh, you know hate you or you go to the health club and you're praying, God, I want to use the squat machine. Please do not let anyone else get on the squat machine. Five seconds later, some person walks in are on the squat machine for three days, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I hate you. Are you with me on that? And we reduce it's not that type of groan. Someone takes the car spot, someone, I don't know, you ruin your shirt or something. It's not that groan. The picture in the Greek is a a war horse. They're in battle, and the horse's life is going to be threatened, so it rears up on its hind legs and begins to snort, saying, back off. When Jesus groaned that day, he wasn't groaning just because it was his friend. He was not groaning because he knew Lazarus. That day, God came out of heaven. He became a human being and he involved himself in the lives of everyday people. And what Jesus was snorting, if you will, was against the pain that hurt the human race from the time of Adam to this present day, God is not for death, for pain, for confusion. God is a God who hurts, who feels, and who is moved with our own pain. Jesus was fighting against death itself. It's not God who causes death. It was the sin of humanity that caused death. And death has been bullying us all along, but guess what that day? Jesus said, no, no, boys. We're going to have two days, but we're going to go and wake Lazarus up. And when he went to the tomb that day, he rolled up his sleeve. And you know what Christ was saying? I'm tired of being bullied by you. I'm tired of you coming out of hell and destroying the human race. We have put up with you long enough. And all of a sudden, he starts rolling up his sleeve. And he says, I'll show you how I'm going to beat death by a noun and by a verb. Lazarus! Come forth, and Lazarus came forth. Now, you got to get there. Now, listen, it says he cried out with a loud voice. In the Greek, it says, with the, oh, I love this. Oh, my, How many, anybody out there, you come from a loud family? Okay, if you're Russian or Hispanic or Cajun, you should be raising your hand right now. Ukraines, come on. It says, he cried with a loud vo- out with a loud voice, with a loud voice, with a loud voice. He cried out with a loud voice. One time I was really preaching loud and someone goes, Pastor Jude, I'm not deaf. I go, no, but you are annoying. No. So get out of my face. No, come on. Have you ever seen a teacher, specifically a teacher who does this? They're teaching, like, I don't know, first grade. Students, we're using our inside voices. (laughs) I tried that on my three grandchildren, Jake's three sons that came over. go, Rio, inside voice, inside voice. He goes, what, Jude? I thought, we're loud people. (laughs) Can I tell you right now? There's a time to get loud. There's a time when you rage against the noise. And what was Jesus doing? He got loud. And it wasn't the volume, but it was the intensity. God is not, he is not for anything that would hurt or destroy us. Are you with me? Can you say amen? amen? Thank you for that overwhelming Easter bunny clap, people. Mm. Remember I was telling you about the woman, her daughter, 18. I'm sure of it, there were like a mom and daughter that would wear the same outfit. And the daughter passed away, I'll never forget, right before officiating that funeral in Seattle. That woman began to moan and groan like I'd never heard a human being. The only other time I heard that was my own twin sister when her daughter, at the age of 13. And I remember thinking, in the woman, they even asked, you know. If God is real, why didn't he stop this? If God is real, why is this happening? That's the question that destroys our faith at every moment. Did Jesus really need to raise Lazarus from the dead? Why would he do that? How is that different than his death? History says that Lazarus lived another 30 years, but then would die. Jesus can heal the body. He could fix the situation. But can I say, without faith, we will never experience the ultimate resurrection. Resurrection in light with God. Come on. Yeah. That woman began to groan. My sister began to groan. This is where we end. I bring the uh, team up, the band. It says that he groaned with a loud voice. He cried out loudly, and he says, "Lazarus, come forth." But get this: shortest verse in all the Bible. Who would like to memorize one verse? Oh, I love you, sweetheart. I love, did, you should see how should she went. Yes, it's me. I want C's candy. <laughs> I do too. That's my problem. But I'll have to work out tomorrow. You know, get this. It says when he wept, you th- memorize that. Jesus wept, shortest verse in all the Bible. You know what it means? Not only did he speak loud, not only did he groan because of the pain people were going through, he began to weep. I'll never forget walking that day and I saw my dad that his casket was going in the ground and I just stood there and I couldn't even moan anymore. I had no feeling. I'm wanting to talk to someone you've lost your loving feeling and your life is spiraling out of control. This is the God for you because he is a God who will weep with you cry with you, stand with you, never leave you. And my friend Earth may say it was, he was late, but I'm telling you, heaven has a time perspective that will always work all things together for the good. Are you with me on that? Can you say amen? Now this is where I wanna end and the band's coming up. So you'll know that. How many of you will give me one more minute? Okay, one, two, three, four. I have 30 minutes, it's all good. There are two places in the Bible where the stone was rolled away. And I want to bring a differentiation to us today. Again, I don't. I I think trite statements that twist scriptures, specifically that Jesus said, sometimes can injure a person's faith instead of healing. And God would not want that. Now, this statement probably the most and greatest I am statement in the entire Bible beyond I am the light of the world I am the bread of life I am the way the truth and the life I am the true vine I am the door I am the good shepherd this one it's the mother load I am the resurrection and the life so when he says I am the resurrection actually crystal what he's saying I have the ability to quicken your body and in Romans 8, it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If he dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body, not your immortal body. Girl, when you get your immortal body, you don't need any quickening. You're going to have abs of steel. You're going to be ripped, shredded forever. He's not, that's that's resurrection. Now get this, he says, I am the life. That's Zoe and that's uncreated life. And that's when Jesus told Martha and Mary, you believe in me? Yeah, Lord, you know. And if you believe in me, even though you die, you will live, you'll never be able to die because you have uncreated life in me. Now watch, what? Lazarus was in a tomb. Jesus was in a tomb. Jesus was raised on the third day. Why not the fourth? Couldn't be. He is the hope of the world. Our God could never lose hope, because God is hope. God is a God of hope. And there's no way He could have been raised on the third day, because it would have meant there would be no hope. Why did the angel remove the stone the first Easter? Jesus wasn't in there. Have you ever seen someone do You better not do that with your Apple Watch. You're going to break it. That's why your time has stopped ticking. You beat it up. Do you think Jesus was in the tomb going, Father, been up two minutes, Lord. Really? No. He didn't need that stone to be rolled away. Why? Not only was his body resurrected, his spirit, that internal God type of life, could never be destroyed and you see jesus remember the the apostles the disciples were in a room and he walks through the wall with a resurrected glorified body you you could go through the wall or a stone they didn't roll the stone away on easter for jesus to let him out he wanted to get out of jail free card he could get out no matter what and guess what why did they roll the stone away in fact you know what the bible says that the angel on Easter morning, rolled the stone away, and he sat on it. Isn't God a boss? Oh, I love it when the prayer is answered at the club. Lord, I want that bench. And I get there like two seconds before someone go, bam, got it. And you just kind of sit and look. This is mine. That angel sat on that stone, not for Jesus to get out, but to show the whole world he's resurrected and why are you looking for the living amongst the dead now Lazarus what, what did Jesus say what's God's job God's job is to call you by name and you know what he's gonna say come and in the step Christopher, coming to God is a miracle I don't know really where most people's lives are I don't know if it's in hell I don't know if you're in purgatory I don't know if you you've lost feeling and you're just existing I promise you if you respond and take one simple step to God when he calls your name you will experience a healing and a miracle And so get this, and we have to end because we have another service, sorry. Usually we don't. Uh, Get this, why did they say, let the stone go? Because Lazarus was healed, but he didn't have a glorified body. He would not be able to get out. God's part is to call you by name. Your part is to respond in faith. The church's part is to remove anything that would be an obstacle for one who God has called their name to keep them away from God and church. And you know what God says? Remove the stone. She goes, he's stinking. Yeah. Faith without work stinks. Amen. And it's the work of Jesus Christ that takes that, come on, that stench of not living and brings it into our lives. And I totally love it. And Lazarus had grave clothes on and said, loose him let him go and he lived for 30 years later is there anything in your life that keeps you living in a cul-de-sac of death and pain and confusion God comes now and he's moved where you are moved he's heard where you heard and he will give you a second chance now this is where uh, will you stand so you'll know I'm ending and they can come and get all this stuff I wanna ask two things today. Number one, if you need a fresh start, a great reversal, a do-over, God is standing at any tomb, wherever you're at. And guess what he's saying? Your name and come, that's it. He's not trying to give you a counseling lesson. He's not trying to do anything, but call your name and you come. Not a trite answer. I'm sorry if anyone, I really mean this. If you've gone through something that's very, it's ruined, where you're at right now, or it is greatly affected the way you think. I couldn't be the same after daddy died. I wouldn't be, but you're gonna think this is crazy. My life did not spiral out of control after the death of my father. My sisters did, and we were twins, we still are. So what was the difference? At the grave site, I felt an impression on my mind you're gonna think this is really weird but God said I'll be your dad I'm gonna be your father and I swear to you I knew it I knew he would I didn't know what that meant totally but I knew somehow a dad should protect should provide should be present and I stand before you and tell you probably one of the most painful things in my entire life I was able to walk out of a grave situation only by knowing that God loved me he called my name as he did Lazarus and I was able to take one step and I could tell you I know that I know that I know because I walked out of that cul-de-sac of past I will be able to walk into the broad environment neighborhood world of God called eternity forever with a glorified body where we worship and we live and we rejoice and all wrongs are made right in the good kingdom of God amen how many of you want to walk and have a new reversal today raise your hand all over all over all over let's pray this dear Jesus I pray now But just like that woman whose daughter passed or my own niece or my dad or my mom, when that aching feeling comes and you feel like, I I don't know what to do. God, I pray now, call him by name. If your name is Keith, he's calling you. If your name is Mary, he's calling you. If your name is Bill, he's calling you. If your name is Joe, he's calling you. If your name is Mary, he's calling. He can never leave you. My twin sister Julie, that day when I stood with her, I said, Julie, he's known. He will not. He will not. He will not let God call you by name right now. There are hundreds to millions on this planet, but he's calling you specifically. He knows your pain. He was, I know you may be saying, God, if you would have been here, where were you? This wouldn't have happened to me. No, he's right there right now. The next question I wanna ask you is that word believe. It's what Mary, Martha, Jesus said over and over, it keeps being repeated. If you believe you will have an uncreated life, an experience with God that will leave you transformed for the rest of your life, I'm gonna to count to three. If you're wanting Christ to come into every area of your life, you're gonna raise your hand on that count. One, you're gonna raise your hand. I'm gonna pray. Two, and right now, three, just raise your hand. I'm giving my whole life in the back right there, this woman right here, thank you. Thank you, sir. Clap right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. In the back over there, stomp, shout, cheer. Amen. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. Come into our hearts. God, I thank you. You stand at the door of my heart. You knock, and that stone's been rolled away. Now come on in, Jesus, forever. I believe in you. I trust you. In your good name, amen. Let's worship. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.